0: Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Hey, do me a favor. Give all the praise to Jesus tonight. Come on. It's Him. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You know, every time I get up to speak, I have to uh, just make sure that I direct the attention to the one that has put me here. Uh, the, I wouldn't be here. I Many of you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the love of a father. And yes, I'm always this emotional. So I will get it out eventually. If I if I acknowledge it, I can bounce back and keep going. So um, God is so good, and he yeah. he just he's just so good. I don't know what kind of day you had. Uh, maybe it was rough. Uh, man, last week I had a rough day. I said like last week I had a rough day. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was rough. Let me tell you. And um, and, and maybe you had a rough day. Maybe this is exactly what you need. Maybe you need to come and, and uh, you know, experience worship and just. Um, but more than anything else, to be with the bride of Christ, to be with the body, to be in relationship with each other. At my church, we've been doing a series called uh, that we're calling uh, Relationship Matters Because Relationships Matter. And so um, I've been on this kick about relationships lately. And the fact of the matter is, is the Bible has a is a relationship book, and and it's not just about about relationships; it's about relationship. And so tonight, how many of you have ever heard the expression? It's not about religion; it's about relationship. Right? We've all heard that, but why? Why do we say that? Why? Uh, why do we, why do we think that? Why do we believe that? Um, and it's, and it's right out of the scriptures. It's not about religion. A lot of times one of my pet peeves, and maybe some of you that have been in church for a while, uh, maybe it's your pet peeve too, but, uh, people will say, oh, so you're religious. Well, we, and our, um, you know, the cliche is to always say something like, well, it's not really a, like that. But why? Why isn't it like that? Well, I believe that scripture is very clear on, on how it talks about relationship. fact of the matter is, we're all here from all different walks of life. And some people are close to God and have been there for a long time. Like, like Pastor Josh and I w- went to college a long time ago. Long time ago. And he was I mean, you've all heard the killer story, right, that, that he was called, like, I, would, I call him Pastor Killer, right, because, because he, was, he was always killer in college, and so we go back a long time. Maybe some of you have a relationship with God that goes back a long time. Maybe some of you had just, just recently started. Maybe you're planning on getting baptized coming up. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. I love to go to a church that there's not cobwebs in the Baptist tree. Come on, right? Like, if there's cobwebs in the baptistry, then I need to go to another church. And so we, we, we're alive because it's all about that relationship. It doesn't matter how long you've been on this journey, but it's about that. There's a scripture in the, in the Bible, in the, in, the, in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 6 through 7, that says this. It says, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I wanna tell you tonight that religion, the problem with religion, is that it honors God with its lips. It has good intentions. All the stand up, sit down, say this, say that. It's good intent. I would never question the intent. But the problem is that its heart is far from God. And so, when we have a heart that is close to God, it requires what? Relationship. Requires relationship. When I proposed to my wife, I said, I wanna give you my heart, do you wanna give me yours? And miraculously, she said yes. And on Saturday, we'll celebrate 17 years of marriage. So, yeah. Miraculous. Miraculous. So, relationship is about our heart, where religion is about rules, about all these other things. And so, tonight, I want to talk to you for a little while on the subject of empty religion. Empty religion. I want to talk to you about. I want to, What I want to do. I've got. I've got six different points, but but each one is it's actually twelve because um, there's a point about religion, and then there's a point about relationship. But anytime I communicate, I always want to communicate one big idea, because if there's anything that I could I could say tonight, anything that we could get across, it would be this one big idea, and that is this: that on, re, religion honors God with its lips but it's heart. it's far from it. Our goal for tonight, our goal for tonight is this. If we were to have a goal, we want to have hearts that are close to God. We want to have hearts that are close to God and lips that honor him. That will preach. Some of you have been like, did my lips honor God today? I didn't even, I didn't even plan on saying that. But we want to have hearts that honor God, but also lips that honor him. Because that's what healthy relationships do. How many would you ever be in a relationship with someone who talks bad about you? No one one wants to be in a relationship with someone that talks bad about you. That, Adam, oh, Adam, oh. Stuck my toe, Adam, We do it to Jesus, right? Why would anyone want to be in a relationship? The fact of the matter is, though, that Jesus will be in a relationship with you. And there's a story in the scripture that Jesus talks about this concept of of relationship. That I think we hear it, we've heard it for years and years and years, but we've missed a lot of it. About eight years ago, I read a book by a guy by the name of Dr. Kenneth Bailey. I've read a few books since then, but eight years ago, I read this book. And it was called The Cross and the Prodigal. And it transformed the way that I view the story that you may know as the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15. You can turn in your Bibles there. Dr. Kenneth Bailey says that because he grew up in the in the eastern culture he understands the story of the prodigal son far better than most people in western context. As western Christians, we often miss a lot of things in the prodigal son and from his book is where I get a lot of my points tonight. The first thing that I want you to see about about religion and relationship is this, that religion responds to rules. Religion responds to rules, but relationship responds to love. Relationship responds to love. Now, let me show you in the scriptures. Slide before this, sorry, I apologize for that. Luke chapter 15, verse one through three says, tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. You see, a lot of times the first thing that we miss in the story of the prodigal son is why Jesus is even telling the story in the first place. The reason he's telling the story is because he has religious people standing in front of him and they're ticked because he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And my Messiah wouldn't do that. My Messiah wouldn't be seen with sinners and tax collectors. You see, my Messiah would follow the rules. But my messiah what he does is he does it's not that he just follows the rules but he loves also he loves also so religion often says that it's about the rules when relationship says it's about the love it's about the love so we miss this idea of why jesus is even telling the story in the first place and believe it or not in the story when we read it, and when we see it, and we're going to read it in just a moment, but when we read it, we actually see that the context matters. The context of why Jesus is telling the story, he matters. In fact, he responds to this accusation by the Pharisees with three different stories. The first story is about a lost sheep, right? And you, we, we've all sang Reckless Love about the, the father going after the one, leaving the 99. Right. The, the second story is about a woman that loses a coin in her house. And, and she searches everywhere to find the coin. And then the last story that he tells is about the lost son. And oftentimes we think that the younger son is the prodigal. But I want to submit to you tonight that maybe the prodigal is actually the older son. We're going to we're going to look at that in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. Let's read it to illustrate this point further. What's, what what point is he is he illustrating? He's illustrating why he eats with sinners and tax collectors, and how the the how the the shepherd has to leave the ninety nine to go after the one, and how the woman has to tear apart her her house in order to find the coin. So to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story: A man had two sons. How many sons did the man have? Two. You're with me. My church would have been asleep by now. Verse twelve. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. We're gonna talk about this in a moment. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Now, real quick before I read that verse, does anyone know what ethnicity the story of the prodigal was? What, what ethnicity the, the prodigal was? He was Jewish. What do you know about Jewish people in the Old Testament? They had nothing to do with pigs. They didn't even eat bacon. What kind of crazy people don't eat bacon? This is the lowest point that you could ever be as a Jew. He's with the pigs. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me, take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him his son said to him father i have sinned against both heaven and you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son but his father said to him to the servants quick Bring me my finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Sounds like fun, right? Meanwhile, the older brother. How many sons did the father have? The older son was in the field working when he turned, returned home, and he heard music and dancing in the house. Uh-oh. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back. He was told, and, and your father has killed the fat calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing And told that you told me to do. I've learned all the memory verses. I've gone to Sunday school. I've been in church every Sunday. I said 20 Hail, Hail Marys last year. I've never done anything against you. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. I followed all the rules. But you haven't ever fattened a calf for me. Yet when his son, uh, the son of yours comes back, why did the Pharisees what did the Pharisees accuse Jesus of? Eating with sinners and tax collectors? And when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, nothing's been said about prostitutes. Nothing's been, it, said, it said that he wasted the money on wild living. I'm getting ahead of myself. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. Empty religion gets you nowhere. As the son stands in the field, the older son stands in the field, his story is to be continued. Notice, there's no conclusion to what happens with the older son. We never know what happens again. I'm getting ahead of myself. So this story is about relationship and it begins with the father and his two sons. What does the younger son do in order to to sin? What did he do verse 2? He said, "I want my share." I want my share of the estate now before you die. Now there's three things that are wrong with this, with this request. The first thing that's wrong with it is that it's the younger son asking for the inheritance. Now we don't do inheritance any. I mean, we some families do and things like that. My family didn't do it because we were Poe, right? But like we like like there's not like inheritance is always given to who first? The older son. The older son is the keeper of the estate. The older son is the keeper of the inheritance. But who's the younger son, who's the son that, oops, who's the son that asked for the, the money? It's the younger one. So that's the first thing that's wrong with this request. The second thing that's wrong with this in, this request is that an inheritance can only be given out how many times? Once. It's only given out once. So the father doesn't say, well, wait a minute, this brother gets half and this brother gets half. No, 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 no. He has to give the inheritance to both sons. So there, there's a reason the older son is um, is out in the field because he's mad. Because he had to be given his, his share of the estate at the same time too. We miss that. Because we don't do inheritance anymore. The third thing that's wrong with this, and it's the most messed up thing on the planet, he says, Give me my share of the inheritance before you do what? Before you die. In order for an inheritance to be rewarded, the person has to be dead. Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. That's how we that's how we like that's how Jesus could have worded it. I wish you were dead. So his request is messed up on, because of three different things. One, he's the younger son. Two, it had to be all given at once. And three, he wished his dad were dead. Three sins, if you will, that break the relationship with the father. And the point of the story is that the father and the son have a broken relationship but how many sons does the father have two and what we miss is that both sons have a broken relationship with the father and i'll explain it in just a moment point number two is religion is broken not by following rules It's not about how many times you go to Sunday school. It's not about how many verses you memorize. It's not broken. uh, Religion is broken by not following rules, but relationship is broken by sin. By the wrong things that we do that displease the Father. It's sin that breaks our relationship with God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's sin that's the problem. Not breaking the rules. Stop basing your relationship with God on your performance. It's not about how how good we do. It's not about how many people we invite to church. It's not about how many people. All those things are great. But your relationship isn't broken with God if you fail to do that. Your relationship is broken with God when you sin, when you do wrong, when you displease the Father. This request broke the relationship with the Father. And so the son moves to a distant land. He finds himself with the pigs that no Jewish boy would ever find himself in with the story continues his money runs out he wasted on wild living that word prodigal it simply means wasteful the word prodigal means wasteful and so oftentimes we think of the younger son as being the prodigal the, the one that was wasteful to be continued verse 17 read that then he finally came to his senses he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Even my dad's slaves, the actual translation is is a slave. Even my dad's slaves have food enough to spare and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, I have sinned against both heaven and you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me your hired servant. But the problem was the son's return coming home would come with a terrible price. You see, something else that we miss in Western culture is that the return of the home, so so the son asked for his inheritance, and when he asked for his inheritance, he actually, it actually says, my share of the estate. So what happens when he asks for his share of the estate, what it does to the village, to the town that he lives in, is it drives the market value of all the houses in town, drives it straight down. So it's not just the older brother that's ticked off, it's the entire city, it's the entire town. And that's why the young man has to go to a far-off land, because no one in town would ever have him come and stay with him. We miss that. And so in Jewish context, in Eastern context, there's this Hebrew word by the, that's, that's the word kazaza. And the kazaza ceremony awaits him at home. If the young boy comes home and he... And he Arrives to the city. He arrives to town. The kazaza ceremony awaits him. In the kazaza ceremony, I picture it when I when I ex- explain it. The the whole town comes out with clay pots, big clay pots, held over their head. And as he walks into town, they chuck them all at his feet. And he walks past the house, and they chuck theirs, and they chuck theirs, and they chuck theirs. And there's this this pottery everywhere. And they yell, "You're cut off. You're not welcome here." Why isn't that part in the story of the prodigal son? Why don't we know that? We don't know it because the father comes running. <laughs> because the father interrupts the kazaza ceremony. But before the kazaza ceremony, the young the the young boy has these three things that he says, "I'll I'll tell I'll go home." And I'll tell my father three things. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me your hired servant. The boy thought that the only way to go home was to become his father's slave, to become his father's servant, and to work for his salvation, to work for his place in the house, to earn it, I want you to know tonight that the the relationship with God is not earned. It's nothing that you can earn because point three is religion says that the price for my sin is too much for you to pay. The price for my sin is too much for me to pay. But again, he says, I'll go home I'll say these three things. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me your servant. Relationship. Relationship says, my dad's already paid the price. I don't have to earn to pay for my stay. Verse 20 said, so he returned home. To his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him before the Kazaza ceremony. Relationship says, My dad's already paid the price. My son got in, in trouble at school last week. He got into his first ever fist fight. The right of manhood. (laughs) And I was, I didn't know how to react because that's not how we are in our house. And um, so I said to him, did you throw the first punch? No, dad, I didn't. I would never do that. I'm so proud of you, son. And I was proud of him. Because he stood up for himself. But because I had a relationship with him. And I could put my arm around him and I could say, son, I know you did wrong. But I still love you. I'm ne- Nothing is ever going to change that. When you understand your relationship, it's a relationship with God. You do everything differently. You look at people differently you handle your money differently you you tell you you work differently you show up differently because it's about a relationship and the son knew the son knew that he had that that it was by the grace of the father that he was in the house that he could have made him work till his fingers fell off skin and bone but he doesn't, God doesn't do that. It's not how he operates. So the father comes running to the to the son. And the, the other thing, another thing that we miss in our context is that men in this day, many Bible scholars believe that men quit running at the age of 21 years old. And the reason for that is because what kind of clothes do they wear in the Middle East? What, what kind of clothes do men wear? They, they wear robes. Ladies, have you ever tried to run in a dress? Men, have you ever tried to run in a dress? I think I saw your pastor do that in college, actually. It's impossible. In order to run in a dress, what do you have to do? You have to pull the dress up high enough that you can move your legs. The dad would have had to have moved the robe high enough to expose his underwear. No wonder they forgot about the Kazaza ceremony. Because dad comes running, and he's got underwear hanging out. My guess is they didn't have boxer briefs back then. He's running. He exposes the underwear. And all the attention goes to the father. Because the father takes on the shame of the son's return. I don't know what you've come in here dealing with. I don't know what shame you brought in here with me, with with yourself. But it stays here tonight. Because Jesus took on our sin and our shame on the cross of Calvary. Come on, if you're going to do it, you better do it right. The father exposes himself in order to take on the shame of the son. But that's not the only son that he takes on the shame for. So the father says, go get my my robe and my sandals. Go Go get the signet ring. I say mine because... He, the scripture that we just read said, bring the finest. I don't know about you, but who's got the finest robe in the house? And mine it's my wife, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> it would have been the dad that had the finest robe in the house. And so he says, go and get my robe. But I want to point out the ring. Because it's something else that we miss. Because we don't carry around signet rings anymore. We have rings that might have our family's seal on them, but it's not used to seal documents like it was back then. You see, the ring that he would have brought would have been the family's signet ring, having, <laughs> having the, the family's crest on it that was used, ready for it, to purchase property. Hold up. Didn't this guy just ask for his inheritance before his dad was dead and waste it all in while living? And now that God, now that the Father wants to give him the ability to purchase property, I want you to know tonight that God trusts you. He doesn't look at our past, he doesn't look at what we've done, he doesn't look at our broken relationship. He looks at us and he says, you have what it takes. You have what it takes to do the right thing. You have what it takes to follow after me. You have what it takes to dwell in my house and not have to earn it. I trust you. And Jesus is telling the Pharisees, remember the context. Why is he telling this story? Because he eats with sinners. He eats with tax collectors. He eats with prostitutes. He eats with the scum of the earth. And Jesus says, I don't just eat with them. I trust them. I trust them to carry my name. I trust them to be my son, my child. I trust them. It doesn't matter what they've done. Now he takes them and he transforms them because when the when the son comes home, when the son comes home, he realizes he can't earn it. But he's got to change. He's got to change. And nothing will transform you like a father's love. Religion says only people to be trusted are those who follow the rules. Relationship says, I trust you, son. I trust you, son. Verse 21. Says his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He dropped off the last part because he realizes I could never earn my father's love. I don't need it. I don't need to work for it any longer. Stop trying to earn God's love by how good you are. You're wasting your time. Now, that doesn't mean you can go and be the scum of the earth. But stop trying to earn God's love. Verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned. He was lost and now he's found. This is something else that we miss in context because this was a party. But who was the party for? Don't answer it. It's a trick question. I don't want to make a fool out of anybody. I didn't come here to Maine to make a fool out of anybody. The, fa- the, the party isn't for the son. Heaven <laughs> isn't for us. The party is for the father. Heaven is is for Jesus because he has done everything to 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 earn heaven we haven't heaven is for Jesus the party is for the father so what happens he says call all the people in town we're going to have a party you know how i know the party was for the father it was because no one in town would have come for the son no one would have shown up because that guy was a a jerk. When he asked for his father's inheritance, he was a jerk. No one would have come for him, but because the broken relationship was now restored, people came to celebrate the father, except for one man, the brother, who was standing in the field who I believe represents the Pharisees that are saying, you eat with sinners and tax collectors. The brother is the religious. The older brother is the religious in the story. The son, the younger son, is the relationship. He had his, his relationship restored, but the older brother is chilling out in the field. What's going on? Starts asking questions. Older brother was angry, wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Who was the party for? The father. When did you ever throw a party for yourself that you got up and walked out? If the people in town came to the party for the father. When the father gets up and walks out on his guest. He slaps them in the face. And once again, the father takes on the shame of the religious as well. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and he begged him. But. He replied, All these years, I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing. And you told that you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for the feast with my friends. Yet when his son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fattened calf. His father said to him, look, your dear dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. People that are religious can still have a relationship with God. The problem is the broken relationship when they stay out in the field. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother who was dead has come back to life. He was lost, and now he's found. The final point is religion. Religion fails to celebrate. Relationship always celebrates. At my church, we like to get rowdy, just like you guys. I feel a little bit at home tonight. You know why we celebrate at church? Because it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. It's about your heart being close to the Father who trusts you, who takes on your shame, your sin, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. He says, come home. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you've even looked at the people that have come into this church and you've said, why are we letting them in here? Maybe you came in tonight and you're like, I could never go home. I could never come to Jesus because of what I've done. You know, I think it's funny that the sin that the younger brother commits is that he wishes the father were dead. It's pretty atrocious. There's no sin that Jesus can't forgive. No sin that he can't say, just give to me, son. I want it. I want it. And I'll make your life a whole lot easier if you give it to me. I'm going to say a prayer, and then the team's going to come up and we're going to sing a song called Run to the Father. don't leave here tonight without getting right with the Father. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know what that was? That was confession. Repentance. The son repented and he knew that he didn't have to do anything else because he was trusted. Father, I love you. I love you so much. Because the fact of the matter is, is that I don't deserve you. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your forgiveness. But yet you freely give it to me. Father, I pray if there's anyone here tonight that does not know you, that they would find someone. They would find myself. They would find one of the team members. And they would say, I need to run to the Father tonight. And I need to receive his love. And I need to admit that I've done wrong. And Father, if there's anyone tonight that has been guilty of trying to earn their way to salvation, Lord, I pray. That you would show them they no longer have to work. They just have to confess. I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give. Or you can text any amount to 84321.